Coaching a Division I basketball program contains countless lessons for life and business. Building a culture of excellence, overcoming adversity, grittiness and determination, and even a broken chair during an interview provide important perspective and powerful principles. Mark Pope, the new head coach at Brigham Young University's basketball program, joins us on this episode of Therefore What? Therefore What? is a weekly podcast that breaks down the news while breaking down barriers, challenges you in the status quo, explores timely topics and timeless principles, and leaves you confident to face what's next. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor for the Deseret News, and this is Therefore What? We are very pleased to be joined today by Mark Pope, the new basketball coach at Brigham Young University. Coach, thanks for joining us today. I'm happy to be with you guys. So you, you've been on the job for uh, a, a few days now, and uh, the only thing you've broken so far that I know of is a chair. Well, that's not the only thing, but that was the most recent. I'm, I'm tearing the place up, man. It's unbelievable. I don't know how long they're going to let me stay here, but uh, it's... it's, it's um, you know, here's the thing: is that I think, and I don't want to get too philosophical too fast, but one of the one of our mantras here is that is that when things go well, you got to break them, and when things go poorly, you got to break them, right? So you want to break them and repair them, and break them and repair them, and break them and regrow them. And you, once you stop breaking them, I think that, that that's when you need to get nervous, right? Because that's when you could fall behind. That's when you get stale. And so, so you know, it's something that's always present in our minds: is doing an autopsy and and. Finding Finding out where we are, and then and then kind of it takes so much energy to keep reinventing and reinventing. But I think that's the key to what we do. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's such an important principle. Again, right off the bat, uh, I think that's a critical principle for all of us. Uh, I, I've always said the most dangerous day in the life of an organization is the day they're successful and they stop challenging that yep. status quo. I uh, yep. in fact, I had the chance to uh, to interview Tom Osborne, a famous uh, coach at Nebraska, who won. I was a huge Nebraska fan. Yeah, up I was going to say I know that I was born in Nebraska. <laughs> that's Right. Well, I once I once stood with Coach Osborne on the middle of the end in an empty Cornhusker Stadium. That's cool. And he graciously spent about an hour and a half with me talking about how do you sustain excellence. They were just coming uh, off those back to back years, but I, I think yeah. you just hit the first principle, and that is you got to keep breaking stuff. Uh, you know, and in, challenge a, in, a, it. in a really small sense. You know, we do that with player development. So in my assistance, I, I kid you not, so once a week we get in, we take an inordinate amount of time and we go over our guys and we kind of like tweak the direction we're trying to take them or redefine it or double down on it, right? And so it gets so incredibly repetitive, right? I know my staff is just like, dear heavens, are we going to do go through this again and say mostly all the same things? But the problem, the reason that we stop doing that is because it takes so much energy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's really important. Yeah. I think so that's my justification when <laughs> when they try and build me for this chair. I'm be like, hey, that's how we succeed, man. We succeed by breaking things. <laughs> oh man. Right. I, and I think you're just leading us right into the next uh, the next principle, and that is especially in in trying to build an organization. Uh, you you do often run out of energy before you run out of opportunity, and it, I, I think you've seen that in other places where you've played and coached. Um, how do you see that as you enter this new role as head coach at BYU? You mean just in terms of maintaining energy? Yes. Well, uh, I don't have a great answer for that. I do know that um, I do know that 
I have a way different feel as a head coach than I did as an assistant. And what I mean by that is one of the things that surprised me a lot about my first six months on the job at Utah Valley, my first time ever being a head coach, was that as an assistant coach, um, as a doer, as an as a as an executor, right? You like I literally would go I would go days and nights and days without sleeping towards the end of the week when when you're you're playing a Thursday game and then you have to do the whole scout Friday night and then you you know you you put the scout in Friday and then you play Saturday right and so you're going through these continuous weekends where you're kind of losing a couple of days at nights of sleep and then you're working guys out and you're on the recruiting and you're just doing all the time and and so um, you're doing it and you know that you're not functioning at your highest capacity when you're kind of sleep deprived, but you can still execute what you have to do, right? Mm-hmm. You can still do your job. And what I found, what, one of the things that surprised me that I had not anticipated becoming a head coach was I have this desperation, literally like this desperate feeling inside me to just carve out some space. In, and I, right now I don't get it, you know, at all, but, but I fight for it to just get an hour or some time or 15 minutes where I can just stare out the window and just think, right? Yeah. And just have time to think and, and time where it's quiet and, and, and also time to like, you know, whereas I could work emotionally on empty as an assistant, I can't in this leadership role. I have to like be careful and monitor myself because if I go in as an assistant, I'm totally sideways. My head coach can, can, can fix me. But if I go in as a head coach, a little mostly sideways, there's no one there to fix me, right? right. Um, and, and so, you know, in terms of kind of maintaining energy, I think that's like just barely dipping your toe into the water of, of kind of being conscious of, of maintaining your energy. And then the rest of the rest of the answer to that, I still haven't learned yet. I got to learn the rest of it. Right now, we just go as hard as we You're can, going as like as crazy. We can and, and hope you stay alive. Oh, that's good, and and it is that uh, that leadership principle of taking time to to regroup, to re-energize, or to just be still, like you said, stare yeah. out the window for a minute. A lot yeah. of times, as a leader, that's uh, that's where the the good things come. You know, Mark Few, I, I think, is one of the great coaches in college basketball, and and genuinely, he's approaching maybe being in the conversation for one of the great college basketball coaches of all time. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's flirting with that kind of conversation and and you know I've heard him talk about it like one you know he he's kind of taken that to the nth degree where you know on game days he you know I've heard him talk about it, like he goes for long walks he tries to find somewhere out in the in the, in the environment where he can go for a long walk uh, you know he's not he's not like most of us where he's in a dark room all night long and all morning long before the game watching film and scheming plays and and you know it's it's I get the impression that he's way more of that like what fuels him and and fixes him is just giving his his mind and heart the chance to kind of replenish and think so that he can assume that really stable uh genius le- genius leadership role that he does assume uh for their team and you know i i i find ideas like that really fascinating yeah excellent so i, I want to go back a little bit uh in in your progression uh and everything that really led to to this extraordinary opportunity and moment you have with with BYU basketball. Uh, when you were a, a player, you were you were part of a national championship team, which is a, a story in and of itself. Uh, you were part of a, a program, Kentucky, uh, rich with with history and culture, uh, really a culture of excellence there. And uh, maybe you could share with this coach, uh, looking at it from that cultural perspective, what did you learn uh, in your time at Kentucky in terms of how do you build a, a winning culture that's sustainable? Uh, a couple things. One is I, I had to, I 
I was really blessed as a college basketball player because my first two years I played at the University of Washington. Right. And and we were we were not good. I mean, we were a bad program, so bad that my 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 coach actually got fired after my sophomore year. We just couldn't win for him, and and I took that really personally, really hard. And then and then I got to go from that from that bad losing you know uh, spectrum of college basketball straight to Kentucky, who had who had just been to a Final Four, and the program had unbelievable you know coach had grown unbelievable momentum kind of every year since the scandal that, that had given them the death penalty. Right. And they were perched, poised right there to challenge for a national championship. And I got to see him like one day I was fully invested in one program and the very next day I was fully invested in that winning culture. Mm. And the differences were staggering. I'll give you one example of a difference. So at Washington, I had some personal success, but we couldn't win as a team. And, and I was always a gym rat. So I would be at practice, you know, 90 minutes early getting up shots and I would stay after practice sometimes for two hours I was just I just was working hard trying to get better and and I would be in the gym by myself most of the time before and after practice mm. and I would actually have guys walking by the gym kind of giving me dirty looks right Interesting. like um, you know we don't do that you're showing us up you know what are you trying to prove all these kind of things that were, were that was exactly the I mean it was exactly the opposite of they were the energy suckers on the energy bus right right and there was a, and, and, and there was a loneliness about trying to really pursue excellence on that team so I go to Kentucky and first of all every single player in Kentucky was better than me I was like the scrub of all <laughs> scrubs right so I knew that for me to have a chance I was gonna have to I was gonna have to just just crush it in terms of my work ethic and getting in extra stuff and catching up I mean everybody there was a McDonald's All-American and and so I get there and you know I'm like I got this I'm just gonna outwork these guys like I did at Washington well I'm, I'm trying to sneak into the gym at 1 a.m. to get like a third workout in that day right thinking I got it so I go over I walk into Memorial Coliseum. I hear like three balls bouncing. I got three teammates in a full sweat down there already doing individual work. Wow. And 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 that was it. I mean, if you ask me one difference, it was that. Like in one place you had a culture and a program where where guys were trying to find their own way to success which didn't involve the only path to success, right? Mm-hmm. And then I went to this other place where, where it was like everybody was obsessed out of individual and team uh, in, a, in a team way in terms of chasing it like with everything they had. And I'm pretty simple-minded. I don't get way more complicated than that than putting in the work. The, the other thing I'll give you is, is, is um, Coach Patino was such an extraordinary example of just being in terms of energy-wise and approach to the game and chasing success. He was relentless. Yeah. I mean, he would never let down. Like, he would wear us out. And then you'd be like, man, if this dude makes us go one more day, it's going to kill us. <laughs> and he would come that day and he would go at us harder and more demanding and more relentless. And it just kind of kept building to a crescendo. And you think it can't get any more than this. And the next day it would be more and the next day it would be more. And he seemed like he it, like he was totally indefatigable, right? He, mm-hmm. he 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 just and and that was that was what it was and 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 that had a lot of functions on our team. So I mean, for me, that's a real, now you got to be smart about it. And you got to have a vision, and all those things are so important. But I do think there's a place. I do think there's a place in really every field where it legitimately is possible uh, to to at least some relatively high ceiling just outwork your competition. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to drill down on a couple. Of things. I want to come back to this relentless thing in a minute because I know that's yeah. going to be a, a big part of of 
the uh, character and the culture of the team. Uh, but I, I want to ask one other question about uh, Kentucky, and that is, you, you mentioned that you know these guys were all McDonald's All Americans, and so when you have that much talent, uh, most of those guys you know would have been pampered from you know the time they were in the fifth or sixth grade. Yep. Uh, how do you how do you create the culture that takes all of that talent and self interest and unites it around the the common vision for the team? So this was this was this was actually I think Coach Patino's genius. Okay, so and I'm going to say this and and just bear with me for a second. So he he was so I mean he was so brutal and he was such a tyrant and it was so harsh. Okay. Uh, I remember we, we lost to, uh, my junior, we lost to North Carolina in the Elite Eight to go to the Final Four, and the Final Four that year happened to be in Seattle, so I was going to actually get to go home for mm. the Final Four, right? Wow. And and we had been ranked number one in the country, I think, almost the entire season. Obviously, North Carolina, great program. It was Jerry Stackhouse and, and that whole crew, and um, and and we, we lost, and we didn't play very well, and we were just devastated. I mean, we were destroyed as a team, and so we went back to the hotel, and coach met with us as a team and we watched the game twice we watched wow. it twice and and he was he was crushing us I, I mean it was so personal and it was so brutal and it was so it was so it was awful it was an awful experience I'll never forget as long as I live and and to a point where I, I guarantee you every single one of us in that moment like there there probably came close to some real hatred for this man right mm-hmm. and then we go to our rooms we finally get to our rooms late that night and we shut it down and then we get calls early in the morning and he scheduled individual meetings with every with every single one of us and and I went down there and he personally individually in a closed room me and him just destroyed me right and it was at that point it was kind of my breaking point where I was just like I just hate this dude and I was and listen if 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 ever was there a guy that respected authority and was was a pleaser and what but, but but he pushed me to my very limit right and 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 then interesting enough we come back the next season and for the first time in 41 years we sweep the SEC season uh, regular season, and and we, we I think we averaged winning games by 24.5 points a game. Mm, unbelievable. And and that was a league that had five teams or six teams most of the year in the top 25. Right. And and had uh, had three teams in the it had two teams in the final four and I think four teams in the Sweet 16. It was a ridiculous league. And the magic of what coach did and I don't I don't, I'm not saying I suggest this, but the magic of what he did was he was so brutal to us cuz we were all prima donnas. We all thought we were going to the league. We all thought we should get everything. We all felt entitled, right? He was so brutal to us that the only option we had was to turn to each other to try and survive mm, him, wow. right? And I'm telling you, it wasn't my mistake. It was genius. <laughs> and and in the process, I, I, I believe this. I, I believe that it was really thought out, and I believe it was intentional. And 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 the thing is, is that all of us have so much love for Coach, but all of us have complete PTSD. When I see his <laughs> name pop up on my phone, I kid you not, like I, I break into the sweats right now. As a 46 year old man, I break into the sweats, and that is unanimous through my team. Yeah. But he gave us an incredible gift, and he then. That's that was his method of unifying a group that should have been uh, impossible to unify. Yeah, wow, that's fascinating. 
Fascinating. Well, let's drill down a little bit on this. Uh, I know one of the the core tenets you, you mentioned it earlier is this uh, being absolutely relentless, uh, and and in a, an age where you know half effort and half hearted work, you know whether that's work ethic uh, in schooling or a job, uh, we see it a lot even in a lot of the prima donna athletes who you know kind of work a little bit on offense, coast on defense, uh, you know hopefully pad the stats uh, somewhere in between. Uh, but you really have this belief in that that relentlessness wins in the end i do i think and i i i think it i just i just have fallen in love with the word right um you know uh i hearken back to training camps you know i was such a bad player and so i could never get a guaranteed contract in the in the nba i had to go to training camp and you go to training camp and there's you know there's anything from 10 to 15 big time players that they bring in to kind of start training camp and then they whittle it down to one or none right that actually make the team right that actually get to get to be there on the, on the first, you know, make that 5 p.m. deadline uh, before the first game. And there's a part of that where is I, I, I had to go through that year after year after year. And about halfway through my experience there, I started to recognize, I started to really recognize what was going on and be conscious of it rather than just like having my head down and trying to gut it out. And what I found out, and I really believe this, if you took 15 guys, probably within the first two days, I could identify maybe 10 or 11 of those guys, all great players, mind you, right? Like final four MVPs, guys that are making millions of dollars overseas, dudes that have been in the league for three years, right? It's a, it's a really good group of players, but I could probably identify some Somewhere, you know, around 10 or 11 guys, I'm like, hey, I don't have to worry about them because they're going to disqualify themselves. They're either going to, in, in the course of this month long, it's, it, it really worked out to be like a month or six week long kind of tryout process, you know, even starting before before training camp and preseason started, right? And I, you could quickly identify the guys that were going to get, like they were just going to get mentally fatigued. Uh, you could identify the guys that weren't tough enough to come every single day and battle it out. You could identify the guys that they're communication skills were so poor that they just weren't going to be able to maneuver their way through this deal. And so even even a couple of days in, I'd be like, all right, these are the two, three, two or three guys that I got to find a way to, to outlast, right? To outlast in this process. Right. And 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 I think that is like um, one of many examples of kind of the seeds of this feeling that I have about about I think a lot of times success goes to those guys that are relentless now there's also there's those guys that are just born to do something mm-hmm. where their their talent at the end of the day combined with their good hard work is going to win out but for the rest of us average human beings I think this relentless quality is so important and I think it's I think it's I think it's maybe not as common as it once was, this idea of being relentless. I had this unbelievable example from my season last year. So Richard Harward is a young man that that was faced with a a choice about maintaining his relentless stance or giving in. So he came to me as a freshman two years ago at UVU, and we had a really, really veteran, old, incredibly skilled, incredibly talented front line, and he just got the living daylight. A kid from Orem, Utah, with a great family, just got the living daylight speed out of him every single day mm. and and so i don't know what he played five minutes the whole season wow and 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 so and and there's no light at the end of the tunnel because we had some guys sitting out for this season and then got a, tra- a grad transfer in for this past season and so you know he's going through the summer thinking i got to go through this again and then i might have to go through it again as a junior and what what am i doing right right um, i should go somewhere else and so he actually had a couple experiences during the summer, which were so beautiful when you hear him tell them. 
um, about where he was deciding if he was going to stay in there and be what I would call relentless in his pursuit, mm-hmm. or if he was going to reroute and just take another course. Right. And so he hung in there, and sure enough, the first half of the season gets no love, but he's coming every single day with an unbelievable attitude, putting in extra work even when there's no hope on the horizon, right? Mm-hmm. And just taking his beating. And the truth is, is like when you're in that position, the team doesn't really treat you with as much respect as you want. The coaching staff doesn't because you're just a guy at the end of the bench and it's just the true nature of it. But he just kept fighting and fighting and fighting and hung in there. So suddenly we have an injury. I throw him in the lineup. He delivers a big time double-double his first game midway through the season. And then he's essentially a double-double machine through the rest of the season. And this kid, Love he, he's, he's, he's just unbelievable. Okay? And that's that's a great example of relentless to me. It's a great example of, of what I'd like our program to be. And when you're relentless, you're not afraid of failing. You're right. not afraid of failing. When you're relentless because you already know the answer to failing before it happens. And the answer is, if I fail, guess what? I already know I'm going to get up and keep going. It's not like every time you fail, you have to have this like heart-to-heart with yourself and be like, oh, I failed. What am I going to do? You don't lose any time. It's just like, I just failed. I just got humiliated in front of the whole world. And you know what my answer is when I wake up in the morning? I'm getting right back to work because I am relentless. And I think when you're that way, success comes. I think it comes. And I think a lot of times it comes a little bit sooner than you thought it was going to. Mm, that's fantastic. Excellent. I want to talk to you for a minute about uh, about recruiting. You know, in business, it's always about attract, train, and, re- and retain top talent. Mm. Uh, obviously, yeah. uh, in a basketball team, uh, getting some of those uh, talented folks who are relentless and, and, and committed to a culture uh, yeah. is, is real tricky. I, I remember sitting in the green room one time with uh, Lou Holtz, uh, great football coach, and he had just gone to the uh, University of South Carolina, remember, after he retired for a, a yep. period. And uh, I, I sort of tongue-in-cheek asked him, I said, so how do you like recruiting at South Carolina? <laughs> And his response was stunning. He he said, "I love it." He said, "I yeah. hated I hated recruiting at Notre Dame because kids would come to Notre Dame for what Notre Dame could do for them." Nice. He said, yeah. "But South Carolina, I can walk into a young man's living room with his parents and I can say, "Yes, South Carolina hasn't had a winning season in a generation, but we are on a collision course with the national championship and I need you." <laughs> <laughs> to come be part of that story, and he was—I mean, he was—I mean, he was classic Lou Holtz. He was just passionate. He stood up. He was walking around the green room. So, tell me about uh, recruiting at BYU. Obviously, it's a—it's a challenging thing. Others have struggled with that. Uh, but what is going to be your approach to again attract, train, and retain top talent? Well, first of all, I love the way you told the story because I can actually hear his his voice <laughs> in my mind saying those exact words. Right? Yes. I mean, what a great guy. And and the other thing I notice about that is, you know, in, in the in the cheapest sense of it, you, you can see see his, his great salesmanship, right? But in the purest sense of it, uh, if you want to rephrase that, you can see his vision, yes, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's tomato, tomato. It's, it's, it's what you call it, right? But, but you know, his ability to kind of take whatever South Carolina was and turn that into something that could inspire people, I think that's the magic. And, and, and when you really believe it, then you get to double down on that. So, I mean, just, just in telling the story, you can see, you can see his genius at work. And I think I think here at BYU, it's uh, some fusion of BYU and of my philosophy, right? So, of course, everybody in the world is trying to go recruit talent, right? I mean, you know, and, and that, that it's not hard to identify talent. 
talent, right, uh, that's at the very top of the game. And it is challenging to recruit talent. And we're all looking for the same things. We're looking for athleticism and length and, and skill set and, and basketball IQ. And you're looking for all those things. Um, but there's two things that I think we, we really pride ourselves in doing with recruiting that I think are going to fit really well, well here at BYU. And, and one of those things is we work really hard to, you know, our number, you know, certainly we have to check those boxes in terms of talent, but there's, there's a lot of young men that are really talented. Um, but the thing for us that I think really helps us is we spend an inordinate amount of time trying to figure out a young man's insides. Like their insides is probably more important to me than exactly where they are skill level, right? Right. And because the truth is that you can give me five guys that are super talented and that, that start college and where they end in college is going to be so wide ranging. Five guys that people would evaluate, hey, these guys are all equally talented. By the time they're done with their college career, one of them is going to be playing in the NBA and one of them or two of them have going to transfer their school and their and their, their career is going to peter out and a couple of them just have a standard career. I mean, and, and that's 100% based on their insides, right? right? And, and so, you know, for example, this relentless nature, this idea that they've, they've suffered through some failure in their life and they've, they've recovered. I mean, this is all the talking points that you read about in a, in a, in a leadership, but we're actually looking for those, right? Mm-hmm. How entitled do they feel to us? You know, what are they attracted to, to about in our program? Do they say, I want to come here because that cryotherapy machine is so cool and I've never <laughs> seen it before? Or do they want to come here not because of the beautiful paint job and the TVs and all this stuff in our in our practice really, but because they can get in here 24-7 and the thought of them being able to walk in the gym at 2 a.m. and get some extra work just gives them the chills. Right, right. right. Like, like, so identifying their insides is, is so vitally important to us. You know, how have they been with commitments in their in their life so far? And that doesn't mean that they have to that they have to be someone that, that's been like shown commitment for six years to some project. In fact, sometimes I, I can take guys that, that have failed in commitment before, but I want to. I want to have an idea that they understand the concept of what commitment is, right? Right. Um, so all, all, the insides is really important. And we, we, it's really, really important to us, and it, and it, you know, it, may, it makes a big difference. And the other thing that makes a big difference for us is, and it's kind of the test, is this idea of trying to scare kids away. So, um, and my my assistant coaches, the first time we did this at Utah Valley, it was with the very first young man we ever got on an official visit at Utah Valley. Our staff had just been put together. My guys. Are we're working like crazy to get this young man on campus for an official visit. We finally get him and we're doing all this stuff. We're telling him the vision and the dreams and about how he's going to be such a key to everything we do and all the stuff you do legitimately when recruiting. So I'm out on the patio. We do a, we're do, It's an official visit. We're doing kind of our last meal. We have the whole team there. Everybody's playing in the basement. I, I pull this young man and his parents up onto the patio on my deck and it's me and my wife. And so I have a conversation with him and I did everything I could to talk him out of coming. I told him how hard it was going to be. I told him all the things that he would encounter that he might that might make him fail here. I told him the things that wouldn't be acceptable here. It was not a warm and fuzzy conversation. It was a deadly serious conversation. And and when we finished, you know, we actually left and it, you know, I finished it up nice and so it, it, it kind of neutralized some of the some of the pressure and and some of the discomfort. At least that's what I thought. But I walk into the other room and and here comes Leanne 
storm into the room. And she's like, I cannot believe you just did that. How dare you? This is my wife. How dare you talk to them that way? And, and what are you thinking? And, and um, But it's something that we've taken up and be, it's our last little test to see if guys really want in. Because the way we coach is incredibly hard. And if guys can't withstand that tough conversation and still feel like despite that, I want to come. This is where I want to be. And a lot of times the guys that I love that have been really successful with me are the guys that want to come more because of that conversation. And so fun little story. So I'm driving. I was actually uh, I was actually driving from Peach Jam to Peach State in Georgia in the summer recruiting. And I'm out in the middle of nowhere and I'm listening to, to uh, some sports channel on satellite radio and Dabo Swinney's doing an interview. And, 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 and I hear him talk about when guys come on an official visit, you know, he, I don't, I can't remember the exact words, but if I was going to use the words I'm saying, he's saying exactly what we're talking about is that he tries to filter guys out by kind of convincing them not to come on their official visit and see if they bite on it. And, and so I think those are two things that, that we, we, we put our hat on as well as all the other things with recruiting. And I think that there are things that help with all three of those goals in recruiting that you talked about. Therefore, what? All right, coach. We're coming. We're coming down the home stretch, and we're going to continue this conversation. These are these are just fantastic principles uh, with wide ranging application. Uh, but as we as we wrap up today, uh, the, the program is therefore what. Uh, so people have been listening for twenty five minutes here. Uh, what do you hope uh, people take away from this conversation today? What do you hope they think different? What do you hope they do different? Well, listen. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm going to probably keep beating this drum uh, of relentlessness because because it's something I believe in, and I, and I guess I guess. I love sharing that message because Relentless does a lot of things. Like we talked about, not only does it, you already have your answer when things go wrong, you already have your answer what you can do, but I think it's also a confidence. I think it's a confidence builder. I think this notion of Relentless inherent in it believes, hey, if you will stay with this and never stop, then the only outcome possible is success because you're not stopping until you get there. I think it's a confidence builder. I think it's a character builder. And so I hope that my players and and my staff and 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 the people that kind of follow our program i hope you know i hope that they can kind of see the power that we're trying to place in that word and um and that we take this journey together right um because because i do think there's some power in, in this notion and and i think it we can all utilize it in our lives we can be relentless in our marriage right we can be relentless in in, in our spiritual life we can be relentless in building relationships with our friends and we can be relentless in ministry and we can be relentless in all these things and and i and i think there's i think there's some real power in that uh coach mark pope head basketball coach brigham young university thank you so much for joining us today on therefore what pleasure being with you thanks so much remember after the story is told after the principle is presented after the discussion and debate have been had the question for all of us is therefore what don't miss an episode subscribe to this podcast on apple podcast or wherever you're listening today and be sure to rate this episode and leave us a review follow us on deseretnews.com slash tw and subscribe to our newsletter this is boyd matheson opinion editor for the deseret news thanks for engaging with us on therefore what